Hello, Annie Trenders. Welcome to the Girl Taku, hosted by the ladies of anime trending. We are back with another fun topic on the table. My name is Gracie, and I'm joined by. Hello, I am Isabel, and this is Agnes. So, without further ado, the Girl Taku today will be about anime adaptations of video games the good, the bad, and the ugly. I think it comes without saying that anime adaptations of video games tend to either be hits or misses. Very rarely are they mediocre. And a big unfortunate thing is that the misses are a lot more in number than hits in that regard. So we want to sort of explore that and, you know, talk about some anime that where they fall on each of the spectrum, as well as kind of explore why that is the case. So for any longtime listeners to the uh, the podcast, this won't be surprising, but for any new listeners... I am one of the few anime otakus who do not play video games. Video games are not my thing. And in fact, it was it's the girls who helped me realize the reason why I don't like playing video games is I don't like the aspect of me being the character and me making the decisions. I like reading and watching and listening to stories of other people as the main characters. So video games tend to clash very badly with me in that regard because I was like, I don't want to be that character. Like, I just want the character to do things for me (laughs) and let me enjoy the story as it is. So my sort of uh, concept and uh, view of this particular topic is going to be interesting because the closest thing I have played to in regards to games are an Ultima game here and there. So, and unsurprisingly, that is going to be the anime adaptations that I'm going to talk about. But the other girls have a much wider variety in regards to their experience with video games as a whole and probably have a better variety to explain what's happening in regards to these adaptations. So I'm going to start us off before we dive into any specific anime with a question. And and that is for either of you two, why do you think it seems so hard to adapt a video game into an anime? Because as someone who doesn't play the video games, I've actually had my fair share of watching video game adaptations or anime adaptations of video games more specifically. And I always start off reading the synopsis and being really excited because I was like, This sounds like a perfect plot to be animated for. I think it's going to be great. And then I watch it and it's either really boring or a complete mess or a complete mess and really boring at the same time. However, they managed to accomplish that. So why do you think they struggle so much in adapting a video game storyline into an anime format when a lot of times the synopsis almost sounds like it should be made to be an anime? (laughs) Yeah, I think the main reason why is I feel like it's behind the production team and their intent on making the anime in the first place. A lot of these games that do have anime, I feel that their main goal is to get players to play the game and to buy the game is what it is. And so a lot of these productions, to me, they become either mediocre or not even worth looking at. But, you know, maybe I don't really know the statistics behind it, but I think they're trying to get people to just watch it and be like oh let me go go play the game instead maybe Um, but is it even good marketing if you know like I was saying when I watch it and it's so messy and boring like I it makes me lose interest in the game if nothing else yeah I have no clue it might be certain aspects in the game like maybe merchandise might be better you Mm. know or just a ploy for that i can see that you know based off like otome games like seeing the guys in person or something like Mm. that kind of makes you more interested in it and want to buy these things even if you maybe don't even really know the game or 
watched just a little bit of the anime. I don't know, those are those are my thoughts really. Um, just kind of the intent and purpose of it, and then maybe they just don't pay as much attention to, you know, producing and then marketing these these anime like other adaptations from either light novels or manga. Got it. And what about you, Agnes? How do you feel about sort of why it seems like there's such a struggle for video game adaptations into anime? It's definitely the first part of what Isabel was talking about, how a lot of these production teams don't really know how to adapt the video game. And for the most part, it is a way, it is a marketing ploy. Um, there's a lot of Ultimate games that fall into that pitfall where the animation quality is like pretty shoddy. But their ultimate goal is to continue to invite more and more people to play the game, with some exceptions, of course. Um, so things like Token Rambu, for instance, because that's a big push by Ufotable to just make things look pretty for the game. And then you have stuff like Cyberpunk, where the company itself was uh, not doing great. The video game company was not doing great because of the huge scandal of really bad release quality, rush production in the video game, and the anime for Cyberpunk helped re-elevate interest into the video game. So there are diff definitely different motives for production, but I think the second biggest thing of why in general video game adaptations as anime are not as good is also because of how video game plot structure and quest lines doesn't translate as nicely into an anime st storytelling format. In an anime storytelling format, you usually go from point A, point B, point C, point D. It's very linear and it flows generally very nicely. There's no branching side plots. But in video games, because you have the main story, but you also have a lot of different side quests, and a lot of have like different mini games and a lot of other different aspects that contribute to the world overall, they can't quite condense that into a singular story route of an anime. So instead, they kind of just flounder all over the place because at the beginning, you know, in a video game progression plotline story, it's just very boring. And then once it gets to the very end, it's, it's very exciting and it's accumulating the entire experience. Versus an anime, you need to hone in on one particular part of the storyline and just go from there. Mm. And so I think that's why these production studios kind of like flounder because there's too much to work with, but they have so little time and so little budget to actually hone in on the main part of the story. So what I'm hearing based on what you two are saying is regardless of the format of the original video games, whether it was Ultimate or something more active like Cyberpunk, uh, to adapt it to an anime, you've got to make some pretty big changes simply because of the original format is not really made for the anime format of storytelling. That's what I think, at least, yeah. I think it tracks because based on my brief knowledge of the anime that are huge hits of video game adaptations, I also do know for a fact they've made some pretty, pretty big changes from the actual storyline of the video game. So I think it does track in that regard. Yeah, so okay, let's go into the actual anime then and discuss what we have seen in our experience and namely, you know, some good ones we've seen and uh, of course some really bad ones we've seen as well. So. I think it will be unsurprising for me to talk about video game adaptations that are specifically from Ultimate Games because that is the one I have most experience with in that regard. So one thing is I find it interesting because I do think Ultimate Games are one of those games that should be easily transferable to an anime. It's because you really just have to pick one plot line and one specific guy or girl, you know, for that matter, because dating simulation games count. 
and just really hone in and focus on that particular storyline. And we actually have a perfect example of how that works with Clanad. Clanad is a visual novel slash um, really dating simulation where the main guy gets to pick amongst all these girls as love interest. And specifically, the uh, the anime production of it focused on uh, one girl, which is Nagisa, and um, and the story with the protagonist from there. And produced by Kyoto Animation as another selling point, I suppose, to Kyoto Animation's uh, ability to adapt things and change things for anime format and ultimately make it better. It's an, a true adaptation, as in it absolutely did not follow line by line with the video game and the storyline, and instead took the original source material and elevated it to fit the anime format specifically. And Clanad is probably one of the most well-acclaimed and famous video game adaptations into anime out there. There is another one. I don't know if another one of the other ladies are going to mention it, so I will mention it at the end if it isn't mentioned, but... Uh, Clanad is a perfect example of it of an ultimate game essentially or a dating simulation game being perfectly made to an anime format. It definitely helps that it had 24 episodes. So to answer my own questions, just based on the ultimate game sort of sphere of things, is that when you're playing an ultimate game or even when you're reading the summary, the story sounds short, but I really need to put emphasis on the word sounds because once you actually lay it out in episode versus episode you quickly realize that it actually isn't short at all and requires quite a bit of time to tell the full story from beginning of the relationship to the end of the relationship. So for that reason, that 24 episode for Clanad really, really helped it. They were able to really pace the characters, really show the development between them, as well as the chemistry between the main characters. And even a bit of chemistry with the other girls as a bit of a uh, callback to the fact that you had a choice between all the other girls before they specifically focus on one. And unfortunately, not a lot of Ultimate Game anime adaptations followed the perfect formula that Clanad had really taught people on how to make. One of the most boring and worst like uh, Ultimate Game adaptations to anime I can remember is Amnesia. I was really excited for that anime because all the men were super hot, and God, I was so bored. I had no idea what was going on, and its decision to essentially have her like have a romance with all the guys made all the relationships really rushed, and their chemistry had literally no chemistry, and it was just an all-around mess and terrible tragedy of um, an anime that really no one should remember, aside from the soundtrack. The soundtrack was really good. So, <laughs> um, But with that being said, though, I did want to focus on another anime that I actually thought was a miss because I thought they were almost there, but they didn't quite make it. And because of that, that made this particular anime into one of those rare mediocre adaptations it's not terrible it's not amnesia level where you actually kind of laugh at it and it's become a meme but it's also not memorable enough like clan ad is in regards to how it adapted it and that is norn 9 have you guys ever heard of that anime or even that video game for that matter i've only heard of the title but i never got around to actually read the synopsis for yeah. either the video game or the anime yeah same for me mm-hmm Okay, so Nor 9, I actually really like that particular Ultimate game. 
So one of the things that Nora 9 is different is unlike the other Ultimate games where there's one protagonist, there's three. There are three girls with three very distinct personalities. So part of the fun is actually choosing which girl you'd like to play as, whether it's a girl with a very different personality than yours or whether it's a girl with a similar personality than yours. There's Koharu, who is sort of that pink-haired, like sweet, but uh, self-esteem, low sort of girl that we typically see in Ultimate games. But then there's Nanami, who's this very quiet, withdrawn, but extraordinarily intelligent girl who keeps a lot of thoughts to herself and tries to keep her angst locked away. And then there's Mikoto, who is sort of like the leader amongst the group of cast and characters. She takes charge. She knows everyone very well, and she is not afraid to confront people. And so right from the bat, it's more interesting because we have three main characters who are all very distinct in their personalities and are characters in their own rights. And What's really fun about this ultimate game is that each of the girls have three different guys. So one of the guys, it cannot be paired with the other girl simply because they aren't really compatible in that sense. And when Nord 9 first got uh, announced as an anime, I was really curious because I love the character designs. I, I thought all the girls and all the guys looked great. So I looked up the synopsis of the actual Ultimate game, and I loved the story of the synopsis. It's very complex, lots of plot twists, and all the characters are very complicated and very real and human in that sense. And I especially like the creativity that the fact that these three girls' routes are they can happen at the exact same time. Their stories are entwined even if ultimately uh, your focus is on a different one. And so one thing that the anime does do correct is that they specifically choose one guy to focus on for each girl. And they chose the guy that is most popular amongst each of the girls' routes. So for Mikoto, that's Natsuhiko, who is my favorite guy and my favorite story because it's an enemies to lovers story and you know how I love that. Um, and then the Nanami is with um, Akito, who is sort of like the resident tsundere, but he has a bit more going on with him. And then with Koharu, it is Kakeru, who is sort of like the S character amongst the guys. And, and in particular, the anime decides to do exactly what I knew was possible, which is they decide to do all three of the girls' routes, but only with their favorite guys and the most lauded of the character plot lines, and then intertwine them together into a full story. So that's great. However, the reason why Nor 9 ultimately becomes mediocre instead of um, something that I could have really, really enjoyed, like Clanad, is because of the fact that they were limited to 12 episodes. They definitely needed like a two core, like 24 episode thing like Clanad did to really flesh out all three girls' stories and to properly put them together. Because as a result of the fact that they only had 12 it's not a lot of time to split between three main characters and develop their relationships with those respective guys at the same time. And so that was definitely a miss that kind of prevented it from excelling. And another thing about Nor 9 that, and it also unfortunately cuts away a lot of their development as well. For example, Natsuhiko, which once again is my favorite route, the game actually employs the amnesia uh, amnesia trope in a way that I genuinely like. Um, uh, Agnes knows about this because I've like talked about this with her already. I don't usually like the amnesia trope. I think it's a, a cop-out to pad for time and create conflict that isn't resulting from the characters themselves. But surprisingly, the Natsuhiko route with Mikodo actually 
use the amnesia side to develop the characters rather than use it just to pad for time for conflict. And I was in awe of its ability to do that. And that had to get cut because they just didn't have enough time to cover that in a 12 episode series. And Another thing I was disappointed about in the anime is that these three girls are very active. They make very active choices that affect their lives and thus the stories that happen in the game. And they cut a lot of the active parts away, especially from Koharu, who is the pink-haired girl, the typical damsel in distress, low self-esteem girl who's unsure of her place in the world. And I thought that was just such a rude thing to do for that character because part of why I really liked her in the game is because she is actually the most powerful character in the game. Like out of all the cast of characters, she is actually the one who's most powerful. Nobody stands a chance against her. And part of her whole self-esteem issues is that because she can't control her powers, she ends up hurting a lot of people so she's very scared of herself but through her character development where she becomes like more sure of herself obviously with the help of Kakeru who's like her main love interest she learns to control her powers and at the very end of her game route with Kakeru she actually had to save him he was the dame in distress and because she had superior powers went and got him out of there and like undid his brainwashing there's a lot of stuff that happens but undid his brainwashing and like got him out But they just completely took that away in the anime. Like, all they did is, like, you know, she gives him, she gives her, he gives her the self-esteem. He gets kidnapped and she goes to, like, save him. But instead of using her powers to save him, she, like, yells words of love. And that wakes him up and makes him use his powers to save himself. Which I'm like, what's what's the point in that case? Considering how her powers and her lack of ability to use them is tied to her self-esteem and stuff like that. So... There are also uh, plot choices and character choices the anime made that made a mistake. So Nord 9 is just forever heavy in my head because I knew it could have been really, really great. It had all the materials to do it. And certainly the team didn't mess up. Like they did know like what are some of the better routes to do and how to focus and translate the story onto screen. But ultimately didn't have the time resources for it as well as make some of the right decisions to really show that game through. So. Yeah, that is the one of the few mediocre anime out there that I have seen on a video game or anime adaptation from a video game, which once again is rare because usually I hate them and I can't stand them and I tend to immediately throw them away from like the library of my memories once I've watched it because it was just so awful. So, uh, so yeah, so that's like the two anime I wanted to focus on in that regard. I don't know if you guys have any comments or anything. I felt like I just went on this long spiel <laughs> is all I did. <laughs> no, it's great because you're usually the one that doesn't like video games and or consume any of its you know news and media and whatnot. So it's refreshing to hear it from the point of view of somebody who was invested in a video game adaptation, but it ultimately <laughs> fell short. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I definitely wanted more from that anime. So That is my little segment. I'm hoping the other girls have picked anime that aren't just like ultimate slash dating simulation and visual novel adaptations. We'll see. So, uh, so yeah, I believe the next person to talk is Isabel. Isabel, what are two anime uh, that you would like to focus that are adaptations of video games? And are they the good, the bad, or the ugly? (laughs) Yeah. um, Yeah. The first one I want to throw out there was one that really disappointed me. um, And these are actually, I actually do watch video game adaptations without even 
playing the game itself. I think um, sometimes I am exposed to them and then I want to play the game itself. So, mm-hmm. so that's usually how it works. Or if I've been playing the game, then I'll go watch the anime. But then maybe I, it depends on whether I like the anime or not. But yeah, the first one that I thought that I that I dropped in the middle of the season uh, was the King's Raid successors of the Will. Um, I'm pretty sure neither. Oh, King's Raid. Have you guys heard? Of oh that my god! Oh, that title. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's it, it took my it took a while for my brain neurons to activate. I'm like, what's King's Raid? I'm like, oh, that show. Okay, okay. Yeah. I think the King's Raid as a as a game itself. Um, it's it's based out of Korea, and it was one of those uh, kind of like indie games that people are actually very excited about. I think it had maybe couple million downloads on that game so in my opinion i think that was pretty popular and i i didn't know anything coming into watching this anime so i i knew it was a game before but i was i was i just thought that if i maybe watch this anime if i like it then i'll go out and play the game right but yeah um the main character uh castle i just think that he, he was really boring as a character after meeting him and the king's rig the anime at least it it just talked it was just about him going on his adventure and it and it really just needed something unique uh i feel like everything that happened was very predictable kind of as you mm. see in isekai guys where you know you have your hero going to go and defeat the dark lord or something like that or a demon and castle is supposed to you know work with his mercenaries and work with elves and stuff like that so the premise is fantasy so that you know that's interesting in itself but for him to you know gain members into his group and things like that I thought it was very predictable and the anime really didn't add anything for me to like it as much and so you know I just felt like oh this is I I know the game you know would be better than this already because I did take a look at like the character designs in the game and I was like, this is so much better. Uh, what happened <laughs> to this? Like, there's, there's nothing that translated, I feel like, from the game other than the characters and the basic So basically, line. in this mm-hmm. case, the adaptation is they adapted nothing but, like, the characters' yeah. names. <laughs> yeah, and I wish that they did a better job with the characters because, you know, they, they, they seem pretty cool. But I just think the anime just really fell short in trying to capture you know the audience's interest like they just made them kind of predictable characters that you would see in almost any fantasy story like there there's nothing that made them different or goofy or funny or super strong or anything like that i think in any case the villains might have been more interesting because they kind of had like a little bit more backstory or something but yeah i just was extremely disappointed with that one at least uh and i did not continue so i didn't finish it at all so I don't know how it ends, but I I definitely don't think it could have gotten any better uh, than what I had seen like the first half. Did you uh, did you look play the game or like take a sneak peek at the game? Is the game very generic or? Yeah, the game is not exactly something I usually would play, um, but I think the artwork was definitely, and then kind of like the world itself uh, looked looked very fascinating or fascinated me at least and then the fact that there's also player versus player mm. uh, oh the so, pvp yeah okay, the pvp okay, yeah would, would be something that I, I usually like playing pvp so 
I think that was probably what drew people to the game. Like, oh, I can build up my team and then, you know, versus other people. So, uh, but I didn't look at, I, did, I definitely didn't look too much into the game itself or played it really. But Agnes, did you ever take a look at it or any of your friends maybe? <laughs> no, I didn't get a chance to actually sit down and properly look at the game. But from the few visuals, it is rather engaging, especially during the end game content. I will say that the one thing that I really liked about King's Raid, at least from... The video game part was that they had a lot of promotional stuff with it. So they had some really big name Korean singers and K-pop groups that were promoting the material. And that's how that's the original thing that drew me into the game mm. in the first place, or at least taking a basic look at it. Uh, the the K-pop group that really drew me into it because I was listening to them at the time was Dreamcatcher, and I really liked the. They had a not Dreamcatcher in particular, but there was another band or maybe artist who sang a really good song for King's Raid. I think it was for the second season of King's Raid that was really good. And I was like, wow, I love the vocals in this. This must have a really nice, engaging story. I guess it actually doesn't. <laughs> yeah, it might just be the opening there. Um, I looked at the notes earlier on the game, though. It's actually completed. So they have finished the storyline uh, in oh, the game itself. Okay. So it's it's only been about four years, so I think they're actually you know looking to kind of like close out the game or rather, you know, mm -hmm. uh, just have that end game moment. So I think four yeah. years for a game is pretty good enough. Um, and the anime came in last year towards the end of twenty or I think the beginning of twenty twenty one. So right right as the game was finishing, this anime was produced. Got it. Okay, yeah, I found the the songs that really like that I really liked. One of them was Silent Night, which was from Dreamcatcher. Mm -hmm. And then the other one that was really good that wasn't by Dreamcatcher was the um, the chapter ten title song, the right where it's like this really this like soul female singer who's like singing this mournful song. Um, and I heard like a bunch of different versions of it, like the English version, the Korean version, and the Japanese version, and all of them sound really good. And that's oh, wow. about it. Yeah. So wait, it's a music game or <laughs> no, no, no? It was promotional. So a lot of these these games have promotional titles, and one of the promotional titles for Chapter 10 in the original season, so like Chapter 10 of the original plotline, okay. was promoted by a uh, this wonderful song that was uh, created for it. And then Dreamcatcher, the K-pop band, was also part of that promotional material as well. But not specifically oh. for chapter 10. It was for something else, yeah. Okay, see, this is how you know I play so little of games. I'm just like, I hear music promotion. I'm like, so it's music game instead? So <laughs> um, I have a quick question for you guys. Uh, you mentioned how it's a player versus player for the specific game. How would you translate that into an anime, though, in that sense? Because, I mean, isn't the whole point of player versus player is you have no idea what the other side is going to do and, you know, how they're going to attack or defend, I guess? I think that might be just one of the aspects that was provided for King's Raid is you have the main scenario quest, which is probably more linear. It's more like RPG style. You do it solo. But then one of the other branches of gaming things that you can do in king's raid will also include pvp oh, and pvp okay. would not be something that is anime attitude because like you said pvp is randomized you're going against like real human it's not part of the story and all you just do is you just fight each other which at the end of the day can be pretty boring and doesn't really create an engaging uh story or atmosphere for an anime mm, okay got it 
All right, so this is one that's clearly the bad, or is it the ugly, Isabel? You get to decide. <laughs> I think it was pretty ugly. Okay. <laughs> All right, so you've mentioned an ugly. So, what is the second anime that you do want to you do want to spotlight? Is it a good one, or is it just a bad one in that sense? <laughs> it's a good one. Yeah. Okay. The second one I want to want to highlight is uh, Persona Five, the animation. Oh. Okay. Oh, okay. okay. Have either of you either played the game or maybe watched the any of the Persona series at all? No. I've been meaning to play Persona, but okay. I have so much backlog, Isabel. You have no, no idea. <laughs> no, trust me. Yeah. I feel like on this podcast, we're just like, yeah, we're adding to our never-ending backlog. So yeah. Yeah. I actually have never played the Persona uh, series at all. but And then Persona 5 was actually the first anime I had watched uh, just because I heard that Persona 5. Persona series was super fun to play, and I know a lot of my friends actually play the game and they love it. Um, and I had like, I remember I had this one extensive conversation with one of my friends. She was so into Persona, and luckily for her at the time, I had watched the anime, so I could kind of, I could kind of understand, you know, where she was coming from, and mm. then her kind of giving more details uh, really helps me understand why people love the game, and. I think what really draws people into Persona is really just the characters and Persona 5 in particular, at least the one I watched, the music was good, uh, the characters I feel like were fleshed out and they have their own personalities so it never felt like a self-insert character. Like, I mean, Ren mm -hmm. would be your main character, right? But, you know, we follow him but then there's also the other characters that we will follow uh, that he meets along the way and, and then I guess just their idea of him being that himself and then taking on a persona as well. So kind of having that change into what he turns into and then the other people who have their personas as well. And, you know, I was curious about how these characters would transform um, in that sense. And then also, not only that, they were kind of like in this world that's like the metaverse. So I feel like that was like super relevant, um, at least now. Before, probably not because... I think I think I watched this maybe like what 20, 2018 when it was airing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, what from what I heard from my friend though is that Persona Five, even though it seems like it's story based and there's a lot of characters you meet, like a lot of it is actually slice of life, and like, oh. kind of doing like side games and things like that, or just like trying to chat with people and having like other goals in the game, which is why the gameplay is so long. And not only that. They have multi like versions of the game as well, where you can play like a different type of storyline, um, and they especially did this um, in like Persona Four, especially, and because you know Persona, you know Three and Four were so successful, you know this is why Persona Five came to be as well. So I'm curious, you know, if there will be a Persona Six, uh, just because Persona Five, you know, I feel like is hitting that you know four year, um, yeah, four year mark for the game, so you know, possibly another one on the way. But yeah, Persona 5 is actually one of the animes I felt that even though I hadn't played the game, it made me more interested in it. And I think that I would actually recommend this for people who are just interested in seeing what, what the game is about or just like the franchise in general. Um, and it definitely made me interested. So I feel like I have to go backwards now going to like Persona 4 and Persona 3. Um, even though I'm starting backwards, the fact that I think each, each series is, uh, highlights a different set of characters. So it kind of makes it easier for you to, 
enter the series, whether it's anime or through the game. And I think even if you play the game, you'll appreciate the anime as well. Um, the only thing is that I heard that if you did play the game, there's like so many, you know, like, like we said before, kind of storylines and um, other plots and the anime can feel only focus on one, right? So it might right. feel like a mashup of things and some of it may feel like rushed. Um, but yeah, for me, I didn't really feel that it was rushed. Maybe the beginning part was a little rushed, but I think towards the end, the pacing was uh, definitely a lot better. Um, but yeah, it didn't take away from my enjoyment of the series and at least interest uh, in playing the game. I, uh, that was actually going to be one of my questions is did the plot ever get confusing for you? Because uh, that's my personal experience with these adaptations from video games is a lot of times that because I understand it's because the video game worlds can be a lot bigger because, you know, the whole point of video games is for you to explore and to really be in, immersed in the atmosphere in the world. So but because the world is so much bigger, there's just so much exposition of explaining how things work and stuff like that, which is totally fine when you're playing a game, but not so fine when you're just watching. So either they explain so much at one time that you're just confused or they just explain so little that you're so confused. And did you ever feel that way at all with Persona 5? Yeah, that's a good point. Um, for Persona 5, I felt like I understood most of it because Ren coming into uh, like the beginning of the series, like he didn't know, really know what he was get himself getting, what he was getting into. Mm -hmm. So it felt yeah. like we were following him as a new character throughout the series. Um, there's also this cat-like character, uh, Morgana, who kind of leads the group. And she, it feels like she knows, or I don't know if it's she, but like uh, they know everything. And so they kind of lead the group like, hey guys, we're going to do this next and you're going to follow me. So that's what it felt like to me. Like they're like Morgana was explaining what's going to happen next and how the team is going to do things. Um, and then not only that, we meet the characters like one by one. Mm, so that, that definitely kind of helps. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah. Yeah. If I was introduced to everyone at once, I think, yeah, I would be very confused. That was my issue with the Fate franchise. Anytime <laughs> I watched it, I felt like they just threw all these characters at me. And I'm just like, who? Who are they? <laughs> so, so, yeah, no, that definitely explains some things. And you know, Agnes, did you watch the anime? Because I know you already said that you didn't, you weren't able, you haven't been able to play the game yet. <laughs> I wasn't able to watch the anime for Persona 5 at the time, so I cannot comment too much on it. But I can definitely agree that Persona 5, out of the other Persona fran uh, installments, is the perfect introduction for the entire Persona 5 series because you do start out with that single character who joins a group that he has no knowledge of and no understanding of how the world works. So it is a very nice introductory course into the Persona franchise. Mm, okay, they found a way to sneak in the exposition where it makes sense, but it's not like all at once, essentially. Exactly, yeah. Okay, they got the sweet spot. Well, that's good. <laughs> that's really good. Uh, alrighty then. So I think in that case, you know, that is a good anime to highlight in regards to one that worked out. Funnily enough, I actually didn't watch Persona 5 despite the fact that a masked character that is known as a thief is the mascot, mm -hmm. which is sort of my dude of the kind of characters I like. But at that point in my life, I've been disappointed and been like, you know, just dragged through the mud by so many video game adaptations to anime that I just wasn't ready to watch another one. I actually, I think around that time, I just basically stopped watching any anime that is a 
adaptation of a video game. So explains why I missed it. Well, uh, alrighty then. So in that case, it is your turn, Agnes. I am really curious to hear what you've got for us in regards to the good, the bad, and the ugly of these adaptations. For sure, yeah. So I was the, I think I was the original person who penned this topic for Girl Talk. I believe I so, it was, yes. <laughs> it was very interesting to compare how well certain video game adaptation does and almost as if a lot of these video game adaptations do better depending on the change in times. Like for instance, Persona 5 is doing so much better now because we have this introduction of like the metaverse and things like that. And so the concepts in Persona 5, for instance, become more clear. Or let's say in for the Otome game scene, it is becoming very, very sluggish. There's not a lot of very good content anymore just because a lot of the ways that a otome game is structured is a little bit outdated now mm. um there are two there are two franchises or series anime adaptations that i'd like to highlight that would be a bad and i think a lot of it has to do with the fact that they were riding on the coattails of the video game succession but they kind of really faltered on the actual execution of the anime and trying to keep its viewers like reeled into the plot um the first one i'm going to mention was a game that was released by Euphorable called tales of zesteria which is part of the very famous and very lucrative tales game which does actually have a lot of other anime successful anime adaptations like tales of abyss but the one thing i wanted to highlight about tales of zesteria is that while it has very wonderful Euphorable anim animation that makes your eyes just just glisten with happiness because it's just so great and so bright is the fact that Tales of Zestaria has a very, very boring storyline as compared to a lot of the other Tales game. And when I was watching Zestaria, after knowing that it was going to be the sequel to Berseria, which is its previous installment, I thought to myself, oh, there's going to be, you know, like lore connections, it's going to be really cool. And I had already started playing Tales of Berseria, and Tales of Berseria has a very cool, edgy storyline that was not like a lot of the other storylines in Tales, where it starts out with a convict. She is convicted of harboring a demon in her arm like she has like a demonic arm that she acquired from an from a, like a catastrophic event and as a result she harbors a lot of grudge towards a man who she believed had sacrificed her younger brother and so tales of berseria is a story about a prisoner who breaks out of imprisonment and she kind of gathers this bunch of misfits who also have a grudge against the Empire or harbor certain sentiments and basically goes on a journey to figure out like the real truth behind her demonic arm, the state of the Empire, and how the world has come to be. And I really like Basuria for that aspect because it was very different and I was expecting the Tales of Zestaria as its sequel to have some sort of connection to it. Unfortunately, Tales of Zestaria actually takes place like a thousand, two thousand years after the fact of Tales of Berseria, where time is much more peaceful. And it's very, it has a very generic RPG setup of a bunch of happy-go-lucky, you know, adventurers kind of gathering around. There's a princess in the mix, there's a knight, there's a kind of like a thief sort of assassin, hired hand, but not so, like, uh, not so chivalrous type of character and they all have magical powers and they have to figure out like oh there's a big bad evil thing that's running around the country what are we supposed to do and kind of solving the mystery from that and coming from tales of berseria into zesteria i was 
very, very disappointed. Although I love the photo anima- animation, the adaptation of the stereo felt very stale and boring. Did you think the adaptation was doomed simply because the anime? Pl- I'm sorry, not the anime. The video game plotline itself wasn't as interesting. Because I will say that correct. Okay, because I will correct. say that, so that I was- have like watched game throughs like gameplays of tales where i just enjoy it for the story and i do distinctly remember tales of zisteria being one of the games that i wasn't as interested in watching versus the exactly. other exactly <laughs> that's the that's the thing that i want to talk about because earlier in the uh in our podcast episode today i did mention that it is also storyline structure of the original game adaptation and so because Tales of Zestaria, I think, already has a very stale story as compared to like Berseria or like you said, the other Tales installment, it just didn't do as well as we predicted, even though there's Euphotable behind the anime adaptation and just trying to pull all these strings to make it look really nice and fancy. Why do they think, why do you think they picked that game then? There's so many. It's because it's the latest installment. It is the latest and the current installment, actually, of the Tales. Actually, no, not the current installment. There's another Tales game that recently came out, Tales of Arise, but that came out during the COVID pandemic. Tales of Zestaria, I think, came out, like, between 2018 and 2019. Got it. So that was, like, the latest one at the time when the anime was announced or greenlit. Mm -hmm. Okay, got it. I I know Tales of Symphonia the best. (laughs) You know, it's okay, okay. (laughs) I know it's sort of like the classic one, the one that sort of skyrocketed the popularity. So, um. But that's the thing. It's like, it's a classic. It skyrocketed the popularity, which meant that there was something good in that anime adaptation, right? Not just because of the animation style, but because there's a story that they lifted from the video game put it into an anime production and people still liked it well i didn't watch the anime finally that was one of the ones where i watched the gameplay for so. oh you actually watched the gameplay okay, okay yeah yeah, yeah no yes guys i do have some knowledge about video games but only the ones where i can watch and enjoy the story so. <laughs> you just watch the cutscene. i do i do okay she just watches the cutscene. she doesn't even watch the battle sequences oh, it's no, just cut no, i'm not interested in those like i always forward through them so i always appreciate the ones who do it movie style where they're like we took away the like the actual fight stuff and i'm like yes bless you person. <laughs> <laughs> and that is how i watch all my final fantasy games <laughs> except for 14 because that one is an online game and it doesn't end so <laughs> yeah it doesn't end but it's good that you watch the cutscenes because 15 is a slog to look through oh <laughs> i but i actually really enjoyed 15 just with the cutscenes i actually i was just like yeah i enjoyed this i think it makes a lot of sense so but with that being said though uh did you think they would have done a better job if they just took any other games before it you know whether it's zillia or vesperia i've heard i've seen some really funny meme things about the main character in vesperia so um did you think they would have just done better or did you think maybe they would have made it more boring i guess again (laughs) That's a really tough question because, like, Zillia and Vesperia also have, like, massive popularity and followings in addition to not just the original game adaptation, but a lot of fan-made content and a lot Mm -hmm. of, like, mobile game adaptations of the Tales game. I think they would have done a really good job because there is so much popularity, there's so much recognition and support for these things that I think they would be able to pull it off. But unfortunately, I think 
the, a lot of these video games industries are trying to back the newest installment in hopes of getting even more money yeah, like this instead of revisiting old stuff. So it can't be helped that a lot of the old stuff never actually gets a proper video game port or a proper like re redone or remastered like anime adaptation or even a new anime adaptation for its series overall. Got it. Okay. Well, I mean, if they ever ask- get to that point, it just means that they're about to go bankrupt. That's why. <laughs> All right, I'm going to ask a loaded question, but I, like, I know it's always been Simri. How do you feel about Ufotable's uh, anime adaptation announcement of Genshin Impact, the current newest, biggest game around? Oh, God. Oh, my God. Okay, so for, for everybody's context, because I know there's probably going to be a lot of fans in or people who are listening to us who are just like, Actus, why don't you play Genshin Impact? I don't like Genshin Impact. I respect a lot of the gameplay. I think it's very interesting. And I do like the idea of a lot of the combinations between like catalyst swords and trying to beef up your teams to certain percentages and min-maxing and things stuff like that that's great and dandy i watch all those videos online they're really cool my only gripe with genshin impact is that i don't like the anime style of the characters i don't like the character designs i don't like how kiddish a lot of them look there's no character that is older per se there's only like four characters i can count off the top of my head that are like over 20 at this point um and so that's why i don't play genshin impact when Ufotable announced that Genshin, that they were doing a collaboration with Mihoyo for Genshin Impact, I was actually sorely disappointed that we had that anime, that announcement. And not because of the fact that I hated Genshin Impact, but because of the fact that a lot of it is, one, a cash grab, and two, Genshin Impact is already an anime-inspired video game adaptation. Why do you need Ufotable to make it an anime-inspired animation, you know? So it felt very confusing to me why they would do something like that. And Ufotable is already making something that is more hyper-realistic of a video game that already looks like that. So it just feels very weird. I I wasn't too comfortable when they announced it, but because a lot of my friends are big Genshin Impact players, I would just kind of nod my head and say, oh, good for you, you know, yay for Ufotable, making more money. So yeah, that was my input on the Genshin uh, trailer announcement with Ufotable. Isabel, do you play Genshin Impact? <laughs> I do, actually. Okay. Um, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, <laughs> Isabel. I completely bashed it for like two minutes. <laughs> yes, I would. I actually play, play Genshin when it first um, was released and with, with all the hype and everything. And then I actually dropped it for like a year. Wow. I picked it back up because of the Sumeru. Um, oh, because okay, release. okay, okay, yeah. And I have been playing religiously ever since. Yeah, I actually I was d- kind of disappointed with the anime uh, announcement. Oh, as a fan oh, thank God, anime. I'm not the only Alrighty, one. Oh, thank let's God. Why? <laughs> because, 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 like, I have to play through so much story right now, and I'm like, I'm already watching an anime by itself mm. with subtitles, kind of. Or even though I have yeah. all my characters dubbed in English already, I still read the thing. And yeah, I just like the storyline. It's great already because they have like each character storyline already, and then you're playing through the quest. Like it's so interactive that when the announcement came out, I was like, I mean, that's cool, but like, I feel like we've already gotten the story here. Like, what do you what do you want from this? Like, I'm not sure. If, you know, Genshin's trying to get more players into it. Um. So yeah, for me, it was kind of confusing, and I felt that this isn't really needed. Like, I feel like the animation itself in the stories that we see already playing the game are fine um so yeah i don't know we'll see what what actually comes out because you know ufotable has 
so many titles already and adding Genshin Impact to it, it could be good. It could be okay. Um, and there's so many characters now that I don't know how many characters will be in the anime, honestly. Honestly, this is think- like giving me a headache just hearing you guys explain why you, you, you aren't too happy with the announcements. <laughs> is it too much for you? It's like, I, I was here, I basically I'm hearing what Agnes was saying, like this is, Genshin Impact is already an anime-inspired game, so why would you do mm-hmm. an anime adaptation of an anime-inspired game? Like, is just like the... It's very redundant, yeah. right? It just, it doesn't really feel inspiring, question mark, because there's a difference between you foldable animating cutscenes for the Tales series and creating an anime adaptation because a lot of the Tales series and the Tales video games are, they are anime inspired, but a lot of them are like 2D. So they're like very flat and a lot of them are very old. So having you foldable like re-elevate the cutscenes makes it very fun to watch like an anime adaptation and then having an anime adaptation of the tale series can be rewarding but with ufotable becoming exceedingly more realistic with their anime adaptation uh, depictions and then having that with genshin impact just this feels like we're still in square one there's no there's no change there's no difference <laughs> i know like there were a lot of people being like oh my gosh like look how high quality the grass is and the character <laughs> models and i'm like they all look the same in the game too like what are you talking about <laughs> <laughs> the only difference is you have a high like a high quality powered PC that makes the grass look realistic and not a bunch of pixelated dots because I have friends that run Genshin Impact on their phones because it's also crossover to play mobile and one of them was like yeah you know I played on my my clunky ass phone and you know it gives me pixelated grass and I'm like damn that is a concern <laughs> yeah I choose the pixelated one too because my phone cannot handle the high graphics so See, I know the grass go. is there <laughs> But you yeah, know the grass is there. I know the yeah. grass is there. <laughs> okay, so now that we're done trashing on these anime, <laughs> specifically as as well as anime announcements, I will not be watching that Genshin Impact anime. Just putting that right out on the top. As someone who does watch like twenty plus anime a season, someone please help me and send me a lifeboat. But <laughs> I will not be watching that. Now you're in your own girl. You're yeah, I know. Own. I did this to myself. No need to rub it in my face. <laughs> What is another anime that you want to highlight? Is it a good one? Is it a bad one? You know, is it a ugly one? <laughs> so this is the second anime that I want to talk about that is that didn't do very well. It's kind of a in a weird situation. It's neither good nor bad nor ugly, but kind of like it's kind of mediocre. So is it yeah, a little like Nord Nine? What I was saying, like it did. A little bit like okay. North 9. So the anime that I wanted to highlight was the Devil May Cry anime adaptation that was adapted from the original Devil May Cry franchise, which is extraordinarily popular from Capcom. Um, when I was younger, when I was a wee lass in middle school, I met a friend who I still consider very close and dear to my heart. He was the guy that introduced me to the world of video games. He would talk like nonstop about video games. And me being the girl who was raised in a semi-strict Asian household that said like no video games, I was like absolutely enamored with the stuff that he would play. Uh, Devil May Cry is a hack slash game. So, you know, you go around, you slash demons and stuff like that. You play the game as the titular uh, Dante, who is half demon, half human. And you basically go around completing missions of slashing demons, facing against a lot of big bosses, and kind of like 
uh, coming to terms with his heritage because his father had disappeared as a demon and his mother had died and his brother had gone missing and he's all alone in the world. Um, and the Devil May Cry series, when I remember my friend playing it and listening to him talk about it, I thought it was super intriguing because the although Devil May Cry 1 and 2 were really good, Devil May Cry 3 was actually the biggest like blockbuster seller of that franchise, specifically because it introduces a lot of Dante's past, why he is kind of like this cheesy sort of like cocky protagonist with a dark past and really fleshed out a lot of his insecurities and a lot of his personality as a teenager kind of growing up into a, a, a demon hunter while grappling with all of his issues as well. And I also really like the concept of the whole hack slash kill demons. And for a very long time, I wanted to actually play the game. But unfortunately, back then, I didn't have the chance. The only salvation and the only understanding that I had at the time was that I could watch the Devil May Cry anime. While it has a really good animation style, a really great opening, it definitely suffered from the lack of depth and storytelling as compared to Devil May Cry 1 and Devil May Cry 3. Devil May Cry 2 didn't really have that much story, a lot of fans would admit, but the Devil May Cry animation series literally had no story. It introduced a brand new character called Patty, who was like a young girl, and she was kind of like attached to Dante at the hip. And they were trying to flesh out a side story that was a little bit different from the rest of the Devil May Cry franchise. But overall, it didn't do very well. A lot of fans were kind of like, meh about it. But over the years, as the Devil May Cry franchise continued to grow, a lot of people were more or less okay with the Devil May Cry animation having a standing within the franchise, that it was part of the franchise. They don't, like, shove it off in the darkness and say, like, that doesn't exist. You know, there are a lot of video game animations where anime adaptations where you're just like, that doesn't exist, we don't talk about it, what the hell are you talking about? But for the Devil May Cry animation, it wasn't too bad. And what they airlifted, actually, from the animation was really interesting. In the Devil May Cry animation, it showed for the very first time that Dante actually has a very big sweet tooth, which was something that was never featured in the original three mm. games. He has a massive sweet tooth for Strawberry Sundays, and it became an absolute trademark from him in the rest of the video game oh, installments forward. So that's why a lot of fans were kind of like, you know what, I'm okay with it because it was an edgy anime adaptation that didn't do well, but they re-adapted something from the anime adaptation into the video game and that it kind of like balances out fans and makes them feel kind of like happy that, oh, it did contribute something in the end, you know? So that's why I wanted to highlight Double May Cry as like a kind of meh. It was mediocre, but it somehow still remains a part of the franchise overall. So out of curiosity, because I looked it up really quickly and I saw that it had 12 episodes. And, you know, one of the issues I talked about in Nor 9 was that it definitely would have benefited uh, with a two core, like a 24 episode treatment to really flesh out the story and give more time for the characters. Do you feel that way with the Devil May Cry animation? It probably could have benefited from a 24 episode series but at the same time devil may cry as a franchise is very fast like if you cut out all the fight scenes right and you just watch the cut scenes i feel like you could still condense that into a 12 anime adaptation and or make a shorter side story okay okay interesting yeah 
so that's my pick for like the the mediocre uh, anime uh, anime adaptation of a video I game. Rem- so I obviously never watched Devil May Cry anime or the video game. I just remember seeing like a picture of Dante be like, oh, he has silver hair. He's hot. <laughs> so- <laughs> yes. You know, what's really funny is that there's an AI that was on the internet a couple years ago, and it actually ranked the current appearance of Dante, so in Devil May Cry 5, as the hottest man alive. Really? <laughs> I thought was, like, absolutely funny. Yeah, there's an AI generation. Like, it took, like, it took, like, thousands of pictures from franchises from all, like, current installments of that, up till that current year that these experiment was being prompted and it chose dante out of all of them <laughs> so his, funny. Uh, his more beraggled hobo looking one with like a scruff and like really long like shaggy locks yeah it it that one is the one that said that he okay, was the hottest but man it's alive silver haired so <laughs> grace is like silver haired yes give it to me tragic stories yes give he just looks eight with like his gun and then ugh, I, I just love a good silver haired anime character i mean I- yeah he's you know it's really funny that you say like he's really edgy you think like he's very broody but the fact is like he's just very comical and very cheesy as well which actually was another thing that the anime adaptation didn't do so well because mm. the video game itself presents it's like entire title screen, it's gameplay is edgy, but the characters are not necessarily edgy. Okay. But the animation took it like like literally that it has oh, to be edgy. Everybody has that, to be edgy. That definitely like, would hurt. Not necessarily. It, yeah. yeah, that's why. Cause like everyone's like, wow, the Dante fight scenes where it needs to be edgy is great because it makes sense in the game. But his character is very goofy. He likes to mock a lot of his opponents, he likes to eat pizza, he doesn't really give about the world and he's always in debt trying to pay people back because he has to run the shop of killing demons but he's not very good about you know paying his bills right that kind of cheesiness is taken out from the anime and that's why a lot of people were like i don't like this dante he's not the real dante you know kind of thing i I hate saying this and correct me if i'm wrong isabel but he kind of gives me shades of ginta (laughs) i think yeah actually he kind of sounds like that (laughs) Yeah, there are there are definitely some shades of Gintama, um, but compared to Gintoki, who's more like lethargic, kind of dorky, Dante is like chaotic. Ah, he's like, yeah. hell yeah, let's give these Hellraisers like a good beating sort of thing. And he's like very cheesy got about it. Got it, yeah. it. I can, but I mean... He's the, he, for, for Gracie's interpretation, he's the ESTP. Oh. <laughs> that, that, that should click a yeah, couple things Yeah, no, there. it does. But also, I was thinking how it definitely does hurt the anime because it makes him a little more, like, one-dimensional when they take away the more comedic yeah. elements. Because, you know, yes, there are real-life angsty people, but they all have different sides because, you know, humans are complicated. And I can see how his more comedical or uh, comedic moments you know, alongside his, like, edgier moments makes him a more fleshed out and more interesting character versus just, I am angst and darkness, so... Exactly, yeah, yeah, there you go. Alrighty then, so I think that wraps up our discussion today in regards to anime adaptations of video games. I hope everyone listening enjoyed our talk about it. Let us know if you disagree with some of our assessment of these adaptations on top of the fact of, like, our own answers as to the questions of, you know... 
can anime make a good adaptations of video games and you know why they falter when they do falter i'd be really curious to hear simply because once again i am not a video game player so i am not as you know uh, knowledgeable in this area as some other people are as a reminder even with twitter potentially going down in the future i do think it is necessary to remind everyone that we are on twitter so please visit us there at grotaku underscore at and, and hopefully we'll still be there <laughs> when you guys check us out. So, and for everyone listening, I hope you'll still be with, uh, with us next time with our next fun topic. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye-bye.